0: Ecclesiastes, we do well to find our joy, our satisfaction, and our complete, completeness in Christ. As we reflect on God's word this morning in the bulletin I entitled "What I'm going to be speaking on, "The Glory of Helpless Dependency," I also thought about entitling it, "The Poverty of Independence." Flip sides of the same coin. If you had to describe your life, your lifestyle, which terms would you use to describe it? Helpless dependency or independence? If you had to describe your lifestyle, would you describe it as helpless dependency? Or independence. Who do you know that glories in helpless dependency? Israel was ready to cross the Jordan River under Joshua's leadership to enter into the Promised Land. They were going to cross the Jordan River at flood stage, and Joshua was instructed to instruct the priest to actually step into the Jordan River and wait to see what would happen. And we know that the priest obeyed because the priest, along with Joshua, along with the Israelites, were helplessly dependent as they were going to cross the Jordan River into the Promised Land. And in their helpless dependency, they crossed the Jordan River as the waters parted. The waters upstream stopped and piled up. There is glory in helpless dependency. Let's take our Bibles and turn to Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10, reading together verses 13 through 16. Mark 10, 13 through 16. Mark 10 and verse 13. People were bringing little children to Jesus to have him touch them, but the disciples rebuked them. When Jesus saw this, he was indignant. He said to them, Let the little children come to me, and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. I tell you the truth. Anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And he took the little children in his arms and put his hands on them and blessed them. What is the point of this passage of Jesus and the children? Is Jesus encouraging us to reach out to children? Is he telling local churches to have a ministry to children? Is he teaching people how to be a disciple? To answer these questions, we must keep in mind that as you look at the context and emphasize context and emphasize context of the Gospel of Mark, that Jesus Christ is the good news of God, according to Mark 1:15. Mark continues throughout his gospel to unfold Jesus in his character, his identity, his being. All his actions, his healings, his teachings affirm that He is the good news. The 12 continue to be with Jesus. They're in training to be his disciples. They will preach. They will cast out demons. The 12 are with him now. The 12 observe how he responds to them and to the children. And the flow of the context builds upon the call to true discipleship, genuine discipleship. In Mark 8, 34 through chapter 9 and verse 1, Jesus says, If anyone will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. And in the following passages, he talks about what is involved in discipleship. He says it may cost death. For himself, it was death. He says true greatness is found in being a servant of all. Discipleship involves laying aside the party spirit. Discipleship involves being salty and living out God's design in marriage. In the, chapter we, or in the verses we just read, Jesus continues to lay down the demands for discipleship by using a situation that comes to him. He doesn't pursue it, it comes to him. His response communicates that a disciple is one who receives the kingdom of God like a little child. His statement Begs some questions. How does a little child receive the kingdom of God? Who or what is the kingdom of God? Children in the Hellenistic world and the world in which which Christ would have lived sometimes were loved and sometimes they were exploited depending upon how they were perceived as benefiting the family. A papyrus letter written by a name Hilarion said to his expectant wife, Alice, dated June 7th of 1 B.C. If it was a male child, let it live. If it is a female, cast it out. The practice of killing babies was severely attacked by the Christian church, which rightfully boasted in the fact that it did not expose its children to the elements. The practice was outlawed in A.D. 375 by Rome law, but even then it was not very effective. In A.D. 60, a son was put to death by the simple order of his father. So we see that children had a different role and function and value in that culture than perhaps today in the part of some people. James Edwards says, and I quote, After discipleship and marriage, Jesus addresses in turn the issue of discipleship regarding children. The modern West regards tenderness to children as a virtue. Relief organizations appeal for support by showing little lives disfigured by hunger and war. Politicians secure votes by holding and kissing infants. Ancient Jewish society, however, did not regard children with the same affection. Children, like women, derived their position in society primarily from their relationship to adult males. Sons, to be sure, were regarded as a blessing from God, but largely because they ensured the continuance of the family for another generation and increased its workforce. Childhood was typically, typically regarded as an unavoidable interim between birth and adulthood. A boy reaching that age at 13. Jesus communicates his view of children, <clears throat> responding to circumstance that comes to him. And we notice that no names are given, verse 13 says, people were bringing little children to Jesus. Who they were, we don't know. But people were bringing children to Jesus. Why? To have him touch them. You will find that touch is very significant in Mark. The people wanted Jesus to touch the little children. The little children, and the word for little children in the Greek means very young or infants. Luke 18, 15 says, Babies. The stress is not on their innocence, their purity, their trustfulness, their receptivity, their simplicity or wonder. What Jesus has in mind in this passage is an objective state which every child experiences, regardless of race, culture, or background, and that is helpless dependency. If we're to understand the point of this passage, we must understand that Jesus is speaking of, or responding rather, to babies who are helpless, have a helpless dependency. A baby is dependent upon someone for water or liquids, dependent upon someone for food, Dependent upon someone for clothing. Dependent upon someone for shelter. Dependent upon for someone for a diaper change. They're helpless in their dependency. They're bringing them to Jesus, and Jesus makes a statement. Unless someone receives the kingdom of God like a little child, he will never enter it. So these children are brought to Jesus. And what do the twelve do? But the disciples, referring to the twelve, rebuked them. The word rebuke is the idea of setting a value upon and then responding accordingly. So what the twelve basically did was to set a value on these people bringing little children as being a crime. So they reprimand them. They admonish them strongly. We find that the creature is challenging the creator. We find that the owner of the home is challenging the architect. Here we find the twelve, those who have been with Jesus for an extended period of time, rebuking those who bring little children. Verse 14: when Jesus saw this, he was indignant the only place the word indignant occurs in the Gospels. And it means to arouse anger, to vent oneself in expressing displeasure rather than simply brooding about it. And the object of one's indignation says a great deal about them. Here Jesus is revealing, if you please, his displeasure to the twelve. Jesus saw this. He was indignant. He said to them, said to the twelve, let the little children come to me. Do not hinder them. Do not prevent prevent them. Do not restrain them. For the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. And when Jesus speaks of the kingdom of God, in Mark 1, along with chapter 4, along with chapter 9 and 10, and chapter 12, chapter 14 and 15, the kingdom of God is mentioned. And the kingdom of God is intimately related to Jesus. If you're talking about the kingdom of God, you have to talk about Jesus. If you're talking about Jesus, you have to talk about the kingdom of God. If you welcome Jesus, you welcome the kingdom of God. If you welcome the kingdom of God, you welcome Jesus. You can't separate the two in the Gospel of Mark. they intimately related and he says for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these the kingdom of God involves a rule or a reign of some type it seems Jesus and the kingdom of God are basically identical He says in verse 15, I tell you the truth. Anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. Anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. To receive means to take into one's hands, to embrace, to welcome. That's the idea of receive. He talks about receiving the kingdom of God. In Mark 4, it talk refers to accept, the same Greek word. In Mark 6:11, to welcome. I'm going to ask Alan, if he would, to come up here, please. Just stand down there on the floor for a second. You know what it is? I know exactly. What, what it is. is it? It's pizza. With the topping? With bacon, bacon and onion. Or just, bacon? just bacon. Do you? Would you like to have this? It's free. Yes. <laughs> what did Alan do to receive that? Nothing. Other than he likes pizza. But he had to receive it. He had to reach out. Jesus says, unless one receive the kingdom of God, embrace it. He will not enter it. What is a little child like? Receive it like a little child. A little child is helpless dependence. There's a helplessness. There's a dependence. A little child, I cannot come into a relationship with God except through the Holy Spirit. One must receive the kingdom of God, Jesus says, or Jesus Christ, as one who is helplessly dependent. As long as a person thinks he or she can do, they will not experience the kingdom of God. Discipleship is acknowledging helpless dependency. Ongoing discipleship means we live and acknowledge helpless dependency. Coming into a relationship with Jesus Christ and living for Him involves helpless dependency. We begin by helpless dependency. We continue by helpless dependency. I cannot is central into coming into a relationship with Jesus Christ, coming into the kingdom of God, and living within the kingdom of God. Why must there be a helpless dependency? Because humans are dead in their transgressions and sins. Go back to Genesis chapter 3. We know that Adam and Eve chose to disobey God. And we're all in Adam. Romans chapter 5. We're separated from God. So a helpless dependency. I cannot in daily living, in walking with God, with Christ, and with the Holy Spirit. See, we need to understand that all the religions and isms of the world, everyone is built upon, I can. Which means they cannot enter the kingdom of God. Christianity is a relationship of the helplessly dependent to the sovereign creator of the universe. Recently I was talking to someone and we got around to the issue of spiritual things and I talked about eternity, and I said, you know, why do you think God should let you into heaven? And the individual responded to me, just like I expected the individual to. Well, I'm pretty nice to people. Please understand that our culture bombards us with the idea that you can. I don't know if some of you remember when you were little, you heard about the train that's chugging up the hill. No, I think I can, I think I can, I think I can. We read self-help books that tell us, you know, you can pick yourself up by your own bootstraps, so to speak. We're told over and over again to try a little harder. And Jesus says, unless you're helplessly dependent like a little child, you can't enter my kingdom. My question for you: Have you acknowledged a helpless dependency? Have you acknowledged I'm sinful, I'm separated from God, I can't do anything about it? I can't come into a relationship with God, with Christ. I can't be a good student. I can't love my wife. I cannot submit to my husband. I cannot train my children. I cannot obey my parents. I cannot work well on the job. Oh, the blessedness of helpless dependency. Jesus says to the 12, and apparently those others that were listening, I tell you the truth, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. What does Jesus do? He took the little children in his arms. Takes them into his arms, apparently holds them, places his hands on them, and blesses them. Invoking good on them. James Edwards says, and I quote, people wanted Jesus to touch their children. Jesus did more than touch them, however. He took the children into his arms, put his hands on them, and blessed them. What exactly did people hope to receive from the touch and blessing of Jesus? The ritual of blessing was well known in Israel. Noah blessed Shem and Japheth. Israel blessed Jacob and Esau, and Jacob blessed his sons and grandsons. Such blessing tended to be officious in nature, related partially to the passing on of one's name and property. A father's blessing established the house of his children. End of quote. Blessing was very, very important in that culture. Jesus not only takes them into his arms, he touches them, he blesses them. I guess an example of blessing from my own life was the year that I worked for my father between high school and college. I initially thought I wanted to farm and then I thought I wanted to go into agricultural missions and I just wasn't sure what I wanted to do. And Dad and I were in the barn t- <clears throat> working one day and we ended up get talk- got to talking and we stopped uh, working. And Dad more or less said, Dan, what are you planning to do? And I said, I'm not sure. Are you planning to farm? And I somewhat reluctantly said, I don't think so, Dad. I knew he wanted at least one of his kids to farm, and I was the third one. The other two older ones didn't. Ron didn't. He's younger than me. But as we were talking, he said, Dan, I just want you to know, whatever you choose to do with your life, you have my blessing. Jesus is blessing the children. And he says to the twelve, unless you receive the kingdom of God like a little child, you will never enter it. Unless you become helpless as a little child and receive the kingdom of God. What is the point of this passage? On the incorrect side, the passage is not primarily about children nor to be like them or how to treat them. I think the point of the passage is that disciples of Christ must be like little children if they're to enter and live in the kingdom of God. The kingdom of Christ, that is, they must come with a helpless dependency mindset. They have nothing to offer. They must depend on Christ alone. Jesus is the Lamb of God. He says, You've got to become like little children. A helpless dependency. You find that in Romans 1 through 11, Paul talks about a helpless dependency. In chapters 12 through 16, he talks about a helpless dependency in daily living. In Ephesians 1, 2, and 3, he talks about a helpless dependency in coming to Christ. In Ephesians 4 through 6, he talks about a helpless dependency in living for Christ. In Colossians 1 and 2, he talks about a helpless dependency in having a relationship with God and Christ. In Colossians 3 and 4, he talks about a helpless dependency in living that out. So this morning, as I was walking around the church building and praying about our time together and praying for you as individuals. Part of my prayer was, "God, I just want you to know that I can't preach this morning in a fruitful way." Oh, I can get up and I can say a bunch of words, but I'm helplessly dependent if I'm going to minister faithfully." So on most weekday mornings, I get up and I say, "God, I can't love my wife. I can't care for her as Christ does the church. I'm helplessly dependent upon Christ. God, I'm going to the hospital today to visit someone. I can't be fruitful as I go to the hospital because I'm helplessly dependent upon Christ. I want to be fruitful, but I can't. That's where Mark 13 through 16 is and that's brought out in the next account of the rich young ruler the rich young ruler was not willing to be helplessly dependent he wanted to trust in his wealth so a couple applications the foundation of our country and the overall belief in our country can be summed up in the words independence (laughs) Have we stopped to consider how this has impacted religion in America in our daily lives? We want independence. We wanted to be free from England's control, and I'm not saying that was wrong, I'm just saying, you know, that's in our history. Kids want to become independent, they want to take care of themselves. People want to make it on their own financially. We have all kinds of self-help religions. Just do it yourself. True biblical spiritual adulthood means we move more and more to recognizing and accepting our helpless dependency. We are tool, told to move to independence when Jesus Christ tells us to pursue helpless dependency. Godly adults move from craving independence as children and teens to totally Total helpless dependence as adults. We live that way as children, but as we move into adulthood, we struggle. Do you ever stop and think about you're totally dependent upon God for your food, for what you drink? you're breathing you're helplessly dependent for your physical well-being oh I can handle life let God turn the oxygen off for a couple hours I can handle life I just go to the store and buy some water and soda or whatever we'll let God shut off the water and some other things we say I'll just go to the store and buy food we'll let God bring a drought to the US for the next five years In your relationship with God, you and I did not come into a relationship with God because of how we live and how we respond and our ability. We came into a relationship with God because of Christ, who is our substitute. And Jesus says to the 12 here, unless you receive the kingdom of God like a child, a helpless dependency. Maturity. I don't mature as an island. I don't mature in and of myself. The Spirit of God works in me. I need other believers. This week, Ruth Ann and I were sharing, interacting, and we talked about some things. And she basically said, "Dan, look, look at this area of your life." And I had to mull that over, and I had to think about it. And she was on track. And I made some adjustments in how I relate to her and respond to her. I need her for that. I'm helpless, dependent upon other believers. I can't live without it. If I do, I get into trouble. You think about the body, or you think about worship. For us to worship well, we're dependent upon God. We can't do it without Him. You get up and you go to school tomorrow, you go to your job tomorrow, and you think, ah, I got it, I'm going to go. At the end of the day, will you be fruitful because you're helpless in your dependency. God, I can't handle this work today, I can't handle this school. Oh, I can go and do it, but I want to be helpless dependency. It's Christ in me. He is my life. I want to live. And I want to respond accordingly. As we discuss, whether it be physical life or relating to God or maturity or worship or on the job, Christ says, I want you to be helplessly Dependent. We begin or are born again through helpless dependency. We continue in daily life with helpless dependency. That's foundational. The epistles repeatedly teach: communicate helpless dependency. Please understand: we begin or receive the kingdom of God and continue in it with the same helpless dependency. I mentioned Romans 1 through 11, Ephesians 1, 2 and 3, Colossians 1 and 2, in contrast to Romans 12 through 16, Ephesians 4 through 6, Colossians 3, 1 through 4. Helpless. Dependency. So I stand before God someday, and if God, I don't know, if he's going to do it this way, we're to say, Dan, why should I let you into my heaven? I can say, well, God, I pastored Roaring Brook Baptist Church for over 30 years. Overall, I was a good husband to my wife. I think I treated my kids pretty well. It's a pretty good neighbor. Or I can say, God, because of your grace, I came to your son in helpless dependency, Jesus Christ. And not only did I come to Him in helpless dependency, but I've lived in helpless dependency after I came to faith in Christ when I was 12 years old. And in my day-by-day living, I would say, Lord, I can't live the Christian life today. I can't renew my mind. It's Christ in me. He is my life. I can't be kind to my neighbor in and of myself. It's Christ in me. He is my life. God, that's the only thing I have to offer is I come with helpless dependency upon your Son, Jesus Christ. And I lived in helpless dependency upon your Son, Jesus Christ, in my day-by-day living. I confess, God, I can't. But Christ can. And I lived in dependency upon Him. My question as we close is... The questions are simple. Have you come to faith in Christ? You come to God and said, God, I'm helpless. Helplessly dependent. Can't do anything about my sin. But I want to put my faith in Christ. You've never come to faith in Christ. Why don't you trust Him today? If you come to faith in Christ... Are you seeking to, day by day, say, God, I'm helplessly dependent? God, you tell me to forgive that person. I can't. And God says, I know you can't. But as you have helpless dependency in Christ, you can. God, Christ is my life. I choose to forgive because of Christ being my life. As we sing together the song, The Solid Rock, reflect on what we have discussed. Is there a helpless dependency upon Jesus Christ? We'll sing about the solid rock, and then we'll worship through communion as we reflect on the solid rock. Please take...